Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. Today we're discussing Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Maniscalco. I guess that's how you say her last name. I tried to watch videos to figure it out, but I could not find any that were very helpful. So that's what we're going with. Uh, this is a young adult fantasy novel. So there's no sex in this one. Womp womp. I will start with our characters and locations and then Vicki will pick up with our plot. So let's go. Our main character is called Amelia Maria De Carlo. Uh, she has a twin named Vittoria. Uh, where Amelia tends to be more reserved and obedient. Her sister tends to be more rebellious and bold. Uh, Both of them are, I'm just making this up as I go here, Striga, Stella, or Star Witches. Um, And they work in their family's restaurant, Sea and Vine. They recently turned 18, and Amelia thought that they were pretty close and shared lots of their secrets, but things change. Uh, Nona Maria is Amelia and Vittoria's grandmother. She's a powerful witch who's been training them since infancy in the ways of magic. Uh, Antonio Bernardo is a young man that the twins grew up with who recently was appointed a member of the Royal Brotherhood and sworn to a chaste life. Uh, Amelia is attracted to him. Claudia is friends with Amelia. Uh, that their friendship has suffered some as she, Claudia, and her family practice the dark arts. Now, when I think dark arts, I think Harry Potter and bad magic. Uh, But in this book, uh, the dark arts are not inherently evil. It's just magic that demands a price when it is used. Um, We have uh, some princes of hell in this book. So Wrath is our primary prince of hell. He's one of seven. He's obviously really, really good looking. Um, And uh, he's good at inspiring and manipulating feelings of anger and wrath. Uh, Amelia accidentally binds him to her when she summons a demon. And then our other main princes of hell are envy and greed. And envy and greed are both seeking the horns of the devil that Amelia and Victoria wear around their necks as amulets. Uh, they just have different ways of pursuing that. For our locations, this book takes place in Palermo, Sicily. It's a smallish town where our characters have always lived and grown up. That's characters and locations. Vicki, you want to take off with our plot? Sure. Um, okay. So our book opens up. Um... It's the night before Holy Day, and Amelia and most of her family are preparing to celebrate. However, Amelia's twin sister, Victoria, is missing from this party. Uh, Nona, their grandmother and a powerful witch, she's worried, but no one else is too worried. Um, Victoria often stays out late, um, and Nona is always kind of paranoid and is very concerned about Amelia and Victoria being in danger, especially from evil spirits, the princes of hell, and witch hunters. Uh, There has been a recent string of murders in the area of young witches, which puts everyone on edge. When Amelia presses Nona for a bit more information about the princes of hell and why she's so concerned about this, it's revealed that there was actually a deal made and that the princes of hell would return to search for a blood debt that was stolen from the devil. Amelia brushes this off and takes some food to the monastery for the brotherhood. She meets with Antonio, who's a young member of the brotherhood, and she kind of has a crush on him. Victoria pops out of nowhere and spooks them. She and Amelia return home, and when Amelia asks her about her whereabouts, Victoria is vague, and Amelia assumes that she has a suitor. A little while later, Amelia returns to the monastery and stumbles across a strange and disturbing scene. There is a man who is standing over a body and licking blood off of his fingers. Amelia confronts him, and he gives off major creepy vibes, but he leaves. When Amelia approaches the body, she sees that it's her sister's corpse. Victoria has been murdered and her heart's been ripped out. Additionally, the amulet that she constantly wore, one that matches Amelia's, is gone. 
Amelia vows to get revenge, and she takes the dagger that the mysterious man dropped as her first clue. For a long time, she doesn't really get anywhere with her search, and she finally decides to read Victoria's diary, but it has been sealed shut with dark magic. She tries to find someone to help her and ends up deciding to summon a demon, which she does successfully. It just turns out that it's one of the princes of hell, Wrath. And he was also the man that she saw at the monastery, and it was his dagger that she has. She manages to mark him and bind herself to him when she summons him, which makes him very upset. He ends up revealing to her that Pride wanted to take Victoria as his bride. Uh, the same is with the other murdered witches, and Wrath was not the one who murdered them. Amelia is finally able to open the diary, and she finds out that the amulets are actually two halves of the Horn of Hades and the key to the underworld. This is a big deal, and a bunch of the princes of hell are after the Horn of Hades, including greed and envy. Amelia realizes that she must get Victoria's amulet back as soon as possible. She meets with Greed, who apparently knew her sister, and he tells her that the amulet is with a snake demon. Amelia decides it's a great idea to try and steal from this demon. Um, of course, she gets bit and almost dies, but luckily, Wrath saves her. She decides to work with Wrath to figure out what happened to her sister. He tells her that he knows who the next victim might be, but when they go to see her, she has already died. Wrath isn't too upset since he has other contacts around, and he reveals a few more things to Amelia. The gates of hell are weakening and lesser demons are getting through. In order to stop this, Pride needs to marry a witch. It also turns out that the first witch used dark magic to remove her daughter's magic when she fell in love with Pride and cursed them. This is a lot for Amelia to handle as she was taught that the first witch was always right and good. Uh, so Amelia returns home only to find her room ransacked and all of her sister's stuff stolen. She decides that it would be a good idea to move in with Wrath. However, she is forced to return home when Envy captures her family and tells her that he will kill them all. So she meets with him and he tells her that if she cannot bring him both amulets, then he will kill her loved ones. She goes in search of the other amulet, and she does manage to find it. However, this attracts a bunch of demons, including Envy. Wrath shows up to try and help, and Envy literally guts him. Uh, Amelia has now lost her best ally. So, what happens? Spoilers ahead. So, uh, I believe this was a first read for both of us. Twas. Twas. Twas what were indeed. Your what were your first thoughts about this book, Marissa? Let's see. My first thoughts were that I felt like this book needed some dick and it, I did not get that from this. And I don't know if it's just where I'm at in life right now <laughs> that I've been reading a whole bunch of like reverse harems and adult and new adult books, but I was reading this and think, man, this book needs some sex. So what about you, Vicki? What did you think about this book? I actually also got some reverse harem vibes from it and I had to read <laughs> one after I read this. Because <laughs> I was like thinking she is going to get with these brothers. Obviously not because yeah. it's a young adult book. Um, right. But, you know, so I had to satisfy that afterwards. <laughs> yes. I mean, it was just like it, we set it up super well for this to turn into a reverse harem. It's one girl with magic powers and seven princes of hell. I mean, if that doesn't scream underworld orgy, I don't, I don't know what does. So yeah. that's definitely not what we're going to get from this book. No. But that didn't stop me from wanting it. Same. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a tease. Like it, it was the setup. Yeah. But I guess if you don't haven't read any reverse harem books, it wouldn't feel that way. Maybe. Speaking of young adults. Oh boy. I have realized recently that sometimes I struggle with 18-year-old protagonists. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an agony sometimes. <laughs> sometimes they're really petulant and they do things that annoy me. And then I think, well, you are 18 and your frontal cortex is still developing and the planning and judgment functions in your brain 
are still in the process of being solidified. And I know you've got a couple of years going on and to go before you're really there. And I, I wonder if authors think about that when they're writing 18 year old characters. And I understand that her brain and 18 year olds brains may not be fully formed, right? So they're not making all the best decisions, but like she has grown up with her grandmother always being like, demons are bad. Demons are evil. Stay away. Don't do this. And she demons exist. Demons literally exist. Her grandma is constantly warning her about evil and demons being out. And then she She realizes she summons a demon with no prep work. She's like, what demons are real? Are you kidding? Oh God. That was so, it was, it was just, it, it annoyed me. Mm -hmm. You spent your whole life doing magic, literal magic, doing magic. You've been doing magic. You know, this is a real thing. Why wouldn't you think all of this stuff that your very talented and intelligent grandma has been telling you is true? Yeah, I just, it's very frustrating. And, but also the adults in this book did not plan this very well. They decided to give two children, right? So this book actually opens up with like a prologue, right? When the uh, girls are eight years old and they're doing a spell or like, um, they're like re-upping their amulets, right? Yeah. And they are eight years old and they have these amulets that actually turn out to be the gates to hell. Who, who did that? Like, I get that they're kind of the chosen ones, but like, I don't know, maybe like keep them in a drawer somewhere in the jewelry box, like locked up. I don't like you give them to eight-year-olds and then you go, oh, don't let them touch. Of course they're going to let them touch. They're eight. They're going to touch them together. They're eight. I guess something that I didn't fully understand in the book. So they make a big point because they mention it several times about how the twins, Emilia and Victoria, they're not supposed to let their amulets touch. And so they're eight years old and they do touch their amulets together. And then at that point, Emilia is able to see like people's auras. And she brings up several times after that, like, hey, we shouldn't let these things touch. We shouldn't let these things touch. But then I feel like we don't really explore what happened as a result of them touching their amulets together when they were kids. Not at all. She brings up that she has this aura power. Uh-huh. And then it's not mentioned until almost the very end of the book when she goes in search of that other amulet. Yeah. It's like, what? you could have been using this. She could probably sense like evil intentions coming off of people or something. Like, it's set understand. up to give yeah. her this power and then it's just never mentioned again until yeah. the very end. Like, why? Yeah. So I found myself getting very frustrated with our main character for several reasons, all of the ones that we have detailed mm-hmm. just now. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, I'm just, I don't know. She just, and I guess it's not even necessarily that she's 18 years old. It's more just that her character annoyed me. Yeah. Nothing against 18 year olds there. Although when I think about the decisions that I made as an 18 year old, like I can't believe anyone allowed me to make decisions as an 18 year old. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. But but you didn't try to summon demons from hell. I didn't, you know, and that's something that blows me away. So first of all, she, her very intelligent, very powerful grandma, who's been teaching Amelia and Victoria their whole lives about magic says magic is real as evident by the fact that you've been able to do it to your whole life. Why would, why would you be like, okay, yeah, magic is real demons pshaw. What does grandma know? (laughs) Princes of hell. That's silly. Magic is real, but there can't be princes in hell. Why not? Why, why is that your limit? Like if you can do magic, why would you not think all of this? Like, and it's every time some magical creature pops up, pops up. She's like, Oh, you're real. I mean, I don't know that just, it, it confused me and then really frustrated me. 
Yeah. I am really interested. I would like to read. So first off, as somebody named Victoria, can I say I absolutely hate Victoria? <laughs> is it hard for it. you? It is hard for me. I do not like it. <laughs> anyway, reading that summary, I kept wanting to say Victoria. It was very difficult. So I'm sure it was. Bless your I just I, I dislike that, but that's fine. I would like to know more about her because she sounds like fun. Well, she's also probably kind of dumb because she did agree to marry Pride, but I'm very curious about like why, like what was going on in her head. She sounds uh-huh. she, she sounds like the fun one. I am way more interested in her character than I was the main character in the story. Yeah. I would love to have learned. And I think that's something that could have been explored more her motivations or like any information for why she chose to do the things that she did. And maybe the author has set us up to learn more of that information in the book that comes after this. Okay. But she sounded, she thought she, she sounded like the fun twin. Mm-hmm. Yeah she did hey victoria what are you doing in this dark cathedral summoning the devil what are you doing i think mm-hmm. that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah she is she sounds fun she sounds fun she sounds i mean at least a little clever obviously she wasn't i mean because she was working we find out later in the book that she was working with greed so she was doing all of these things on purpose it wasn't like with Amelia, who was like, oh, I'm just going to summon a demon on a whim because my sister's dead. Victoria was working with greed, we find out later on in the book, to make plans to do something with the horn so that we could, and we don't ever really fully find out what the, but she was planning to summon the devil and marry him. Mm -hmm. So maybe she knew more about this ambiguous prophecy that we're given very little information about and was trying to, I don't know, get ahead of the game, or maybe she wanted to be the princess of hell. Who knows? It might be a fun position. Um, But it sounded like she was at least kind of planning some things. And I would have liked to have known more about why she chose to do the things she did or her, she did or her motivation. Um, We're not given a lot of that. So maybe that's something that we'll learn more about in the next book. It frustrated me that it took Amelia so long to read her diary. Like, to I even throw it to me a thought. Like, it's mentioned pretty early on that Victoria has this diary. And Amelia doesn't try to read it for a, a long time. Several chapters. Mm-hmm. Before she's like, oh, I guess I could read her diary. What? Like, you're searching for clues to why she died. Why wouldn't that be, like, the first thing you did? Yeah. Especially because she mentions, oh, she wrote like everything down in there. She wrote in it every night. Like that would be my, the first thing I went to. Yeah. Same. Although I can see at that point, she was still pretty heavily in grief. And when you're grieving things like that, that does kind of affect your behavior. And she might've just been mired in grief and not really thought about it. And then she just leaves it lying yeah. around why wouldn't yeah. she keep it in like a safe location like I don't like know a backpack with, yeah with you on your person <sighs> just just knows nothing so when she's thinking about who killed her sister right she's got the princess she's got several options who at the very beginning who did you think it was not one of the princes right like Probably, I mean, I was thinking a human did it. Yes, because see, here's I didn't the thing. have. Go, sorry, go ahead. They, she, I feel like the author spent so much time being like, it can't be the humans, it can't be the humans, it can't be them. You know, it's like all evidence is pointing to the princes and demons and stuff. And I was like, it's totally going to be a human, and this is totally going to be some sort of like the real evil is humanity kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> and of course. I also guessed who the actual murderer was. I was right as well. I was like, it's going to be that Antonio kid. No. So I didn't guess him immediately. I was thinking it was going to be some, some human. I wasn't thinking him initially, but then at a certain point I was like, I bet it was him. And then I was like, oh, of course the nice guy, quote, quote, nice guy is the murderer. Like that feels like real life. (laughs) (laughs) It's very reflective of real life. (laughs) Um, the thing, 
oh my gosh so this happens in the book which bugs me so much he goes so he sees amelia with the with wrath right yeah and wrath i think kind of claims her right mm-hmm. like he says my amelia or something yeah. like that and so antonio goes to her mother mm-hmm. and reports it mm-hmm. and then her mother says you need to go apologize to him what what is that that I don't know that made me so mad especially because she's just like her daughter is now off living with somebody (laughs) sorry give me a second so no you can be mad I was really confused by or irritated by her parents or her mother specifically I guess and Antonio like Amelia moves in with somebody that they've never met I have no idea what she left in this note to her like family that did not cause them to try to find her and ask her more questions. But so she has now moved in with the Prince of Hell. She is living with a man. And her mother is upset that Antonio saw her with this man. And she tries to get kind of all high and mighty with her. But she didn't ask any questions. And she's, Amelia is like no contact with them for a couple weeks I think right like she's two like, weeks yeah so she has yeah. this she has this uh I would say an energy dump moment on, on the beach with lust he mm-hmm. you know inspires all of these feelings of like lust and she's feeling really good and then he like takes it away and she has this like super significant drop in energy like major depression or whatever and stays in that funk for about two weeks so she's without contact with her family staying with wrath in his decaying castle for two weeks and I was just thinking she's lived with her family for her whole life and they don't see her for two weeks and no one is knocking down the door to this castle trying to find her I'm a 32 year old woman If I moved in with a stranger and my mom didn't hear from me for two weeks, she would call the police and the national guard. There would be helicopters. Like, I don't. What? What? It's such a weird. She she moves into a castle too. Like you said, she's living in this castle. Why does nobody go? This is weird. Let's let's visit her at this new abode that she's in. This freaking castle. No. None of that what is happening. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think it's a familial thing because um, Amelia also does not ask very important questions. So nobody in this book asks <laughs> questions. So nobody. She, gets, <laughs> she summons wrath, right? And her wording accidentally binds them together, right? And it causes this tattoo. No questions. Big tattoo. It's a big tattoo. It's not like it's a like a, a hidden like. It's not like uh, it's a big tattoo. <laughs> she doesn't ask about it, and then later on, she, and like it, she notices that it changes too, and she's like, "Oh, there are like it some just keeps new growing." Th- she's like, "Oh, my arm hurts. Oh, it looks like half of my arm is covered in this tattoo right now, huh?" I'm not gonna say anything about it. Or, right. Oh, and it looks like Wrath has the exact same thing. This might not be significant at all. Mm-hmm. Her grandma, magic grandma, Nana, she can see, they can all see this tattoo growing on her arm and no one's like, hey, what's this big ass tattoo you have growing on your arm? Yeah. Nobody's yeah. going to ask a question about that. Her grandma, who's been all up in her business for the last 18 years, like is almost overbearing. Grandma is not going to ask a question about this. You guys, come on. Um, Yeah, no, she didn't ask enough questions. Her grandma didn't ask enough questions. Nobody's asking enough questions. Yeah. It frustrated the heck out of me. And then she gets mad. And that's actually the part that frustrates me. She doesn't ask wrath enough questions or he gives her evasive answers she could ask better questions because mm-hmm. you can't lie to her this is kind of like what we see with the face sometimes right they mm-hmm. can't lie but they can kind of fence around with words i just made up a word fence they can like 
do things with words that sort of answer the question in a truthful way, but are still possibly like a lie of omission or whatever, right? So how do you get around that? You ask direct questions. Mm -hmm. Ask better questions, Amelia. So she gets mad at Rath because he's not, he does tell her some lies of omission. It's like, why did you expect anything else? And if you're bothered by it or you want more information and that's what she gets frustrated to, Envy questions her about her interactions with Rath. And she's like, well, I don't know anything about him. It's because you didn't ask. Yeah, you didn't ask. And then like she, like you said, she gets mad at him. Uh, she gets mad because it turns out to be like some wedding or marriage or mate bond, right? She's like, you didn't tell me. You didn't ask about this. Why would he say anything? Mm -hmm. And she gets mad at him when she finds out that he just needs to take like one more soul to hell and he'll be free or something. I don't write something like that. Anyway. And then she gets mad at him for that, but she didn't ask him. She didn't ask. Why would he just divulge that information? He's a prince of hell. He is a demon and a high level demon. That's not, I mean, it's not like he's your best friend and you've known him forever. You literally summoned him on accident because you're bad at Latin. And <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. he, he doesn't have to tell you all that information. Yeah. On top of that, there's a scene where, I don't know, she kind of gets like insight into how he's feeling. And she's like, oh, he's worried that like, I'll uh, get under his skin, like a splinter or something. And at this point, they have not known each other long enough for him to be worried about falling in love with her. Mm-hmm. They have had two or three interactions. They have not been long. There was not flirty banter. I mean, there was some banter, but it was not up to par with what I have read in the past. No. I was just, I got no chemistry off of them for that to happen so soon. Yeah. Uh, later on, there is some more chemistry, which they have is a, they nice. Have a kiss. It's a good kiss. Like it's passionate. It happens kind of randomly, like one moment she's really pissed off at him and then she storms into the castle and suddenly they're smashing their faces together. I'm like, well, this is unexpected. Yeah. But, uh, all right, I'm down for it, especially if it'll lead to a reverse hair moment. <laughs> not where we're going. Kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, ha- they have a kiss later on and it's super passionate. And I mean, they have these little moments where it's like, okay, I can see that this is where we're supposed to be going. Mm-hmm. but definitely not enough at the time that she said that there was definitely not enough build up to that no uh I mean if that if that had happened and had been said later on in the book like maybe when he was she was searching to they were searching for a shirt for him right mm-hmm. okay I could see it then they've gotten to know each other a little better they're out and about with each other they're living together all right the other times I don't I don't know I didn't feel it yet no I felt like and I I think I'm part of this is just comparing the romantic subplots for a lot of the other books that we've read to this I feel like for me to believe that there is this romantic you know what I'm gonna make a shadow and bone reference because I felt the same way when we were reading that too we were supposed to be led to this moment where there's this chemistry between uh lena and mal right Mm because they are they are the i forget what the word is that i'm looking for but they're our romantic couple except there's there's not that there's not the development there for me to say okay i want y'all to be together Mm -hmm. honestly I think Rath deserves better. <laughs> he does. Um, yeah, I just didn't, I wasn't, I didn't, there wasn't enough for me to buy in. Yeah, I agree. So um, I did love every single part of Rath though. Mm-hmm. He was a delight. He was. For the demon in our story, he was better mannered and more considerate than the human, well, which main character. Mm-hmm. 
he talks a lot about, and I, this is something that I love. He's like, your manners are really terrible. Like, this is not the way we do things. I love that there is like a code of ethics and manners in hell. Um, he does a lot to help her though. And I recognize that part of that is because now that he's bound to her, if she gets injured, he loses power. But he does a lot to try to take care of her. And I feel like she does exactly zero things to help herself out. Yeah, he offers to train her and teach her a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she turns it down or brushes it off. And it's like, he is a deep prince of hell. I'm you sure he learn. You could learn so much. I'm sure he's cunning. He probably knows how to fight. He obviously knows how to fight. Learn from him because you are in danger. Come on. But you know, no, she just knows like, nothing. She knows nothing. Does she even know magic? This is what I want to know. I have seen her do two things. I have seen her <laughs> draw a circle around herself, and I have seen her use that truth spell. What other what else has she done? I summon the demon. Fine. Three things. She summoned the demon. Demon. She she pulls in a little bit of magic kind of randomly for tasks and stuff like that. Um, but it's not, uh, I don't know. She's just so inept and either doesn't realize it or isn't willing. She just like fumbles her way through it, which is kind of charming in some situations. I've read books where the main character is just kind of figuring out how to use magic as she goes along. And it turns out all right, but she has this opportunity to learn from this guy who has done nothing but keep her alive. Mm-hmm. and she rejects it I got so frustrated and I don't know I mean there were just like several things that she did that really annoyed me in response to him when he so she she goes to that Viparaday demon the snake demon and he's like yeah that's a bad idea you will probably die please don't do that and she's like mm, you're not my supervisor. I do what I want. And so she goes and almost dies and he finds her and saves her. And then immediately when she wakes up, she puts him in that containment spell. Yeah. He just did so much work to help you and used a lot of power and saved your life. And you're going to do this to him. Rude. Mm -hmm. I would stop helping her. And he didn't, and it was very nice of him. It was very nice. He saved her from that demon. He saved her from that boar demon. He um, gave her a place to live and clothes. And when she had that energy, he saved her from lust. She had that big energy dump after lust. And he did that magic bath thing to bring her energy back. And he like fed her. And he, I just, he does a lot to take care of her. And she's, not great to him and I get it like I would be suspicious of a prince of hell too but he says this several times like look at my actions Mm -hmm. look at what I've done to help you yes he's operating with some ulterior motives but who's not and it's not like she has anyone else trying to keep her alive at this point so her parents don't even care that she went off and uh, her parents don't even know where she's at (laughs) oh oh wrath was a delight though he says Mm -hmm. to her so he's very playful and jokey i just picture him in like leather pants no shirt maybe a nipple piercing with like Mm -hmm. beautiful hair Mm mm-hmm He says, so he's talking to her about what she can call him. And he says, unless you'd like to call me his royal highness of undeniable desire. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. That's what I'll call you. You want to make me your princess of hell? Okay. Here for that. Um, he's really funny Mm -hmm. and he does a lot to try to help her and he does offer to train her and he keeps saving her over and over and over again he's probably my favorite part of the book yeah definitely easily i mean he gets himself gutted 
Oh, that scene was so hard. It was. I hated reading that. It hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. So they're in like these catacombs or I don't actually even know where we're at. It's like a building with dirt walls or something. And Envy shows up and with all of these Umbra demons, which are like invisible and Wrath is cut, gutted open from hip to hip. Uh, His intestines are falling out of his body and it's terrible. And he's still pleading with Amelia to run, to get out, to save herself. And she is frozen. And then she touches her horns together, which I still don't really understand what it means when that's happening. She touches her horns together and is super pissed off. And Envy's like, okay, I'm leaving for now, but we're not finished here. And then Wrath dies, gets sent back to hell. Ugh. And then, like, the next day, she tries to summon him. And we know from what happened with Lust that it takes him a while to heal mm-hmm. for them to come back. And so, in my head, this is what I'm picturing. I'm picturing her, like, summoning him and him in some hospital bed in hell, just, like, being jerked repeatedly. <laughs> that is the that's the picture in my head give him some time let him heal i wish that we had gotten more information about claudia yes her friend Mm -hmm. and about the dark arts in general me too me too Claudia was a really interesting character until I guess she went kind of crazy. Um, I want to know what she did, but yeah. like that caused her, like what spell she cast. Oh, it was scrying. It was scrying. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, yeah, but her family seems really interesting because they mess with the dark arts, sort of. But like we talked about before, the dark arts aren't inherently evil. So. They just use like bones and blood to do things mm-hmm. and you have to pay, which is something that's come up in other, um, with the magic and other books that we've read before magic has a cost. Mm-hmm. And so I guess when you do whatever magic it is that Amelia's family does, you don't have, there's not a cost. Um, but I would like to have known more about what this dark magic actually is. And what's entailed in the cost? Like, do their teeth fall out? What what happens? I really hope that Amelia goes evil for a little bit. I hope that she murders her enemies. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see her, you know, go to the dark. I mean, she we already kind of do see that with her a little bit because she keeps using that truth spell. Yeah, that frustrated me. Like, that's the one thing that she knows how to do. Well, she just keeps pulling this truth spell out. And even Wrath is like, I can't believe you did that. Mm-hmm. You took away someone's free will. And each time she uses it, she acknowledges, well, this is bad. I shouldn't keep doing this. And then she rationalizes it away and does it again. Mm-hmm. It's like you said before, this theme that humanity is actually the bad guy. And I think Raph makes a comment about that too when he's explaining how the witches are maybe worse than even the princes of hell or something like that. And I guess if you think about it, evil in some situations is going to be subjective or influenced by the perspective, right? So to a prince of hell, the witch's actions are going to be evil. But to a witch, the prince's actions are going to be evil too. So there's some perspective um, shifts in there that are kind of interesting to explore. We see her at the end uh, kind of think about being a little angry and murdery when Antonio reveals that he murdered her sister. Mm-hmm. And all of the other women who've been murdered in the story so far. So she uh she finds out that he's the one that's been killing people and he begs for mercy and she's like well did you so show mercy to my sister or to any of the other people that you killed and i was actually really hoping in that moment that she would do a little torturing mm-hmm. me too and then she's like oh but even wrath didn't torture people and i was like oh girl this is your moment <laughs> <laughs> 
now you're going to have a conscience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure wrath has tortured people like, yeah, when he's needed to. It was a missed opportunity. I love that she does at the end though, when she agrees to go to hell, she ensures that, uh, the care and torture of Antonio remains with her. So I like that. She's at least making some contingency plans there with that. Mm -hmm. I was hoping for more. I wanted him to suffer, especially he makes some condescending comments to her about like, well, she used a love spell to try to entice him because he was attracted to her. It's like, dude, just acknowledge that you're attracted to her and she's not using some type of beauty truth or whatever beauty spell or love spell to, spell to get you to be attracted to her. I'm trying to remember his reasoning for joining the brotherhood and uh, taking a vow of chastity. Well, his, his mom, his mom her? was sick. His mom was sick and he took her to a witch and That's then right. his mom died and he says the witch is who killed her. So he's really just carrying out a vendetta. That's right. against witches and he makes some comments about um he wants to rid the world of evil it's like okay you just want to avenge your mom but whatever she makes a comment uh, amelia makes a comment to him and she says murdering innocent women isn't its own act of evil and he says, God's finest angels are fierce warriors, Amelia. Sometimes in order to accomplish the greatest good, we must first become a blade of justice and carve through our enemies. You wouldn't understand. It's not something you'd be capable of doing, which, <laughs> excuse you. This is, this is maybe like the only time that I liked Amelia in this book. She says, you know nothing of what I can do. She should have hit him with some lightning. She should have. I wish that she had. She almost does cut him. Ah! And then she's merciful. No, don't show mercy. She says, now you want mercy. Did me, tell me, did my sister beg? Mm -hmm. Did you offer Vittoria mercy? when she pleaded for her life or Valentina, how many women pleaded with you to spare them? Where was your mercy then? I was, I so wanted her to kill him. I wanted there to be some harm here. Yeah. But, and then she says, and I really like this. When I finally kill you, you will beg for the sweet release of death, Antonio. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I hope she does it. That, um, her declaration there reminds me a little bit of, um, Sarah from the A-Site, where she Um, says, I will, like, chop off your hands and I will watch you burn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was good. I love it when our main characters are vengeful. Yeah. But Sarah actually followed through. Yeah, she cut off the guy's arms and then stabbed him in the heart and then put a whip down his throat. It was great. It was brutal. Very fulfilling. (laughs) A cathartic moment for us. Armin Trout writes the best uh, death scenes. Yeah. She really does. Do you remember? So it's near the end of the book when Envy has given Amelia 24 hours to find her amulet. So she's got her sister's. She's mm-hmm. been given 24 hours to find her amulet. And so she's like, all right, I'm just going to use the force. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to use the force to find it. And so she just goes out and follows her instincts and goes to this warehouse type of building and goes down these secret stairs. And her amulet is just like stuck in a dirt wall kind of randomly. She's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> How did that happen? Where did this come from? Because she lost her amulet when a demon, an umbra demon, it snuck into her house, slashed her grandma's throat and stole it. So how did it end up in the wall in the ground? Did the demon stash it there? Was this like a serendipitous moment it just happened to it like we willed it to be in the wall where did that come from I feel like it's a hole I don't understand how this amulet just randomly appeared in this place yeah 
And it's obviously there too, you know, it's not well hidden. I feel like our main character has exactly zero self-preservation instincts. For sure. And she, she just walks down dark alleys by herself. Yeah, that's how she got jumped by the vampire. Yeah. Um, like this. This is, this bothered me so much. So she goes, I considered running, but that wouldn't be wise. Whatever big bad creature was out there would probably love to give chase. I glanced straight ahead, happy to see the turn off a few short meters away. If I ran, I might be able to lose whatever was following me. I didn't waste another second considering it. I charged towards the next tunnel. Didn't she just say she shouldn't run? Yeah. What? That wouldn't be wise. She recognizes that running would not be wise. And then she's like, I'll just do it anyway. Yeah. <sighs> At the end of the book, our main character, with Antonio's help, summons the devil, the prince of hell. Is So I guess this was something that I was confused about. I don't understand why pride is the like the king of hell. Yeah. Is this written? Is this a mythology somewhere that I'm not aware of? If it is, I'm not aware of it either. Okay. I maybe I don't understand what makes pride if he's supposed to be the most powerful one or if that's just part of the mythology in this story or if there's mythology somewhere that I'm not aware of pride is the the king of hell I guess um and so she summons pride and wrath shows up and is like guess who's back back again to escort you into hell and he's like, are you sure this is what you want to do? So Amelia created a marriage bond with mm -hmm. wrath. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's something that he's interested in. Like we get the vibes that he's maybe making some plans mm -hmm. to bypass whatever might be going on with pride. She's like, nope, I'm doing this. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to take out everyone that hurt my sister. Okay. Like, are you sure? Yeah, I'm going to do it. And I am just very curious about where the story is going to go from here. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen in book two? I think that they're going to go to hell and Wrath is going to still act standoffish towards her. But really, like you said, he's working on some loophole that is probably going to involve this marriage tattoo and true love being how to free everyone or something like that. That is what I think. What do you think will happen? I think Amelia is going to go to the dark side. And yeah, I would love to read that story. I think Amelia is going to go to the dark side, kill everyone that was involved in the death of her sister and somehow end up being the queen of hell and take pride or not pride wrath as her consort. I would love to read that story. I think you're getting your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's oh. tone it back. <laughs> because <laughs> I just I remember how shadow and bone went and how disappointing just yeah I think yeah let's just have maybe a little lower set of expectations yeah we were so happy this, this is another sort of like shadow and bone situation where there are generally really positive reviews. This book also has a lot of positive reviews and I honestly didn't, didn't super enjoy it. I reckon what's actually going to happen is probably closer to what you said. I'm looking at Especially the because her grandma makes this comment about how love is the most powerful magic and love conquers everything. And all you need is love. And, I'll be honest, I'm kind of just, I don't know, maybe it's where I'm at in life right now, but that's kind of off-putting to me. Is there Let's, anything else you want to say about this book? 
No, thank you. Okay. Let's do our quotes. Let's do our quotes. So my favorite quote was this. Amelia says to Raph, why do villains always wear black? And he says, better to hide the blood with, which, which I really appreciate because that is, I mean, I don't wear a lot of black to hide blood, but it does hide a lot of stains. It's why I mostly never wear white. So <laughs> as someone who has a lot of animals and perpetually spills things, I appreciate the darker colors. And this was a good, it was a funny moment between them. So mm -hmm. I liked that quote. What about you, Vicki? I, I picked this. Um, a woman with a little power was terrifying to some. We talked a little bit about how there are some reflections in this book of the real world. And this is one of them. Yeah. And I needed to pick something. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, let's, let's wrap this puppy up with some final thoughts. I would not read this book again. And it's not as, I mean, it's not a bad book. It's just not the book for me. I don't think this is not, this is not a book for me, at least for right now. So um, I know it has lots of popular, lots of positive reviews and a lot of people like it and good for y'all, man. I'm glad you enjoyed this book. I love fantasy fiction. And so for people who read this and it reads like it met their fantasy vibes, I'm so glad for you. Um, it did not meet my fantasy vibes and that's all right. Cause there's a million fantasy books out there that are spectacular too. I would not read this again either, but that being said, it's not like it's a bad book, right? Like no. you said, this is not a bad book. This is just not for us. I think we were just too frustrated with the main character. Um, yeah. But if, you know, plenty of people don't mind, like clearly, you know, it has such good reviews. So clearly this appeals to people, um, yes. which is great. I'm glad that people enjoy it. So next week, we will be talking about A Ruin of Roses by K.F. Green. Right, that's what we picked? Yep, that's what we're doing. Awesome. That's it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.